Hello, my name is Nick. I'm one of your many hosts for the Pub Trotters Pubcast, a hopefully monthly pubcast where we explore the bizarre and brilliant world of beer and the excellent pubs that serve it. We are not beer writers or experts, we're just a bunch of friends who meet up every month or so to explore the wonderful and weird world of pubs and beer, both in the UK and abroad, and we call ourselves Pub Trotters. We thought it might be a laugh sharing our stories and experiences with you. From one group of non-beer experts to another, let's go pub trotting. Hello and welcome to Pub Trotters Podcast, uh, episode number 11. It's been a while since we've been on the airwaves uh, discussing our pub trips, mainly because there haven't been many. Um, so today we've got some very special guests who we will talk about later, but also, I'm honoured today to be joined as uh, co-host, uh, Mr. Bryn Morgan. Welcome, Bryn. Hello. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's ever said they're honoured to have me anywhere. So there's a first for everything, I think, so I'll keep hold of that. But um, yeah, it's just nice, nice to be invited here, nice to uh, come on board. Not yeah. a problem. So for the, for the listeners, Bryn is, a, is an old friend, uh, currently living in, in Wales. Uh, would, would you say Newport, Bryn, or is that not, is that from um, I'm just outside Newport. It's a, it's a safer one to say, because it sounds nicer. So. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, so yeah, me and Bryn used to play rugby together and kind of spent our tight, uh, sort of 20s in uh, Cardiff. Uh, and so I've trotted many a pub uh, back in the day. Um, so Bryn's going to be our co-host today. Uh, as mentioned, we've got some special guests coming on earlier than normal um, this month, this session. But in the meantime, uh, let's have a catch up. So Bryn, what have, what have you been up to in the last month or so? I mean, it's been really strange times, obviously, in and out of lockdown. You're in Wales, which is different to England. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we had the, the two-week lockdown, then we you know, were let out. I don't know if that's the right way to call it, um, <laughs> so we could wander around a bit more. Um, but sort of in that time, I know sort of I started doing the Great Run um, Accumulator Challenge, which for me, it just encouraged me to get out of the house. So it's, it's running a baker's dozen. So doing 13 runs um, in November and just sort of seeing what distances you can get. And yeah, just a nice, nice challenge to have. And I've got one more to go. So I'm planning on going up a mountain tomorrow, um, depending on how I feel in the morning. Very nice. Is there a pub at the top of the mountain? Uh, there isn't, unfortunately. Um, and I, th I think if I if I were to run up with some beer, it might be a bit too shaken up. So I'll, uh, I'll reward myself when I get back down, I think. Um, yeah, how about, how about you? How's it been sort of across the water, shall we say? Across the borders, across the borders. Yes, yeah, so obviously we're still in lockdown. We're due to come out next week. And I guess I wanted to make a note that you're using the term let out, uh, which I think is quite appropriate given some of the pictures I've seen of Swansea and stuff after... <laughs> The, uh, what do they call it? The fire break? Um, the yeah, fire I think break. something like that, yeah. <laughs> the fire break finished. I imagine it's going to be similar in certain parts of England next week. Um, although I know pubs are all having to adapt to different tier systems in England. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been all right. We, we've, um, what, I, what have I been, well, it was my birthday this month. Oh, um, yeah. So I had, uh, well, obviously, couldn't go to a pub, sadly. Um, really start, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm definitely missing them more uh, in lock in this second lockdown. I think I am missing the kind of general hustle and bustle of a pub and that kind yeah. of feeling, especially since I moved here in, like, only a year ago. Still don't feel like I, I want to go out and explore and, and kind of get to know the yeah. pub in the area a bit better. But that day will come. 
Um, so yeah, so yeah, I did a lot of stuff on my birthday, I guess. Um, my better half, Helen, uh, did, put, pulled out all the stops. I had lots of fun Zoom calls, of which, of course, you were a part of one. Appeared in one, uh, yeah. On yeah. it again. And had lots of, <laughs> yeah, on it again. Um, and you had lots of different beers and, and amazing, amazing food from some of the pubs that are still doing food in the area, actually. Okay. Uh, so a special mention to uh, the kite at the Red Heart in the kitchen, who I did, did this, like, Sunday roast thing, which was... Um, it was like a pork belly, belly pork type thing with crackling, but it was also stuffed then with um, uh, black pudding. Um, um, just incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't think they deliver to me, would they? <laughs> so. No, unfortunately not. But that's, I mean, so I don't know. I guess that was, that's something that's this time round in lockdown. There's pubs are definitely doing a lot more of that. Mm. There was only a few last time and fair play, you know, it really, I think once we got on it, we, Look, me and Helen jumped on it and we're probably getting food from a pub once a week. Um, have, have any pubs near you been doing the same or any pubs in? Yeah, of... yeah. So, um, obviously, I, I live within walking distance of Tiny, Tiny Rebel, who are a local brewery. Um, oh, yeah, just that local pub. Yeah. Just, just a local yeah, pub, you know, that that big brewery. But yeah, so they, they've adapted. So they do now do deliveries. Um, you know, so they've sort of done takeaway food and delivering oh, around. But so, Something I've noticed as well is um, going into pubs after this second lockdown is they're a lot more geared up. So going in, like, they, they know the system. Whereas yeah. before when you went, it was like, oh, I don't know where I can go. Now it's like, you know, places have got the setup. They've got the screens. You know, you know what you're doing. And, yeah, it just needs to be a easier flow, I guess, and less awkward and risk-taking. It's more actually this is settled, being in here and comfortable, you know. So hopefully you'll have that, you know, that, yeah. similar experience you know so yeah Are you um and have, have you been to any pubs since the fire breaks finished and i say pubs because obviously tiny rebels and the, the brewery isn't it um, yeah so have you been yes. to yes yeah so I've, I've discovered um i've actually a, a different local um it's called the chadiga arms we call it the little ta because there's two chadiga arms within about a five mile radius um and it's just been, yeah just been nice going at walking distance as well and they're just a very local pub. I never thought I'd be a local in a pub, <laughs> but I walk in there and they've now just blocked booked a Wednesday night table for me. And it's <laughs> the time where now I walk in and they know what I drink. And I was like, I never thought I'd get to that point in my 30s where I'm a proper local of a pub. You know, if someone else walks in, I'm going to have to look around and glare at them or something. Like, <laughs> person coming in. But really? yeah, it's just really, they're ones who've had to adapt. They were a small pub. Mm. And they've just really done a lot of work and like getting a nice marquee, you know, just redecorating everywhere, moving things around. So it's just, yeah, it, it was weird walking in their Christmas decorations up, but um, I guess yeah. you just got to go with that that spirit at the moment. So. Yeah, I mean, we we put our Christmas decorations up uh, last night actually, oh, yeah. uh, which and I'm usually a like because I'm a I'm a Christmas fascist until like December um, where, until the twenty fourth. Yeah. <laughs> until the presents come no uh, <laughs> but um helen convinced me, well you know there's lots of people are saying oh we should uh, let's start christmas early because of covid mm -hmm. but a crap year and everything like that and i guess um yeah it's all good and well i guess if you celebrate or care about christmas uh which i guess in my, in my family we do 
or have, I guess, in the past. But my reasoning was it for it. So I sent a few pictures to some friends last night. And uh, my reasoning was, well, you know, as if the sooner we start Christmas, the sooner I can eat lots of food and drink loads of booze yeah. and have <laughs> the excuse. Uh, that's a, that's yeah. Christmas, you know, I've had my literally my birthdays rolled into Christmas, so I've just nice. Uh, Basically, three months of drinking then when you get a new year. Yeah, drinking and right. eating and so we're doing ours we're doing ours tomorrow and i've used it as the same excuse so i went to the bottle shop in cardiff and just picked up a load of different beers and ciders and it's like it's christmas now you know i can start i can start going for it and just testing and tasting and yeah brilliant uh, so you mentioned uh, the bottle shop earlier and so i guess just what are you drinking uh, at the moment Brent? What, what have you brought to the pub trotters podcast today yeah so I don't know whether I've kind of brought something different because I know you talk, you're big fans of ale, you know, and that. Well, yeah, actually, but pubs obviously serve lots of different drinks and we want to celebrate that. So. Yeah, so I've I've come with some cider um, yeah. this time, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm a big cider fan anyway, you know, that's my drink of choice. And yeah, this one is, is going to test my pronunciation. So we're saying <laughs> it's Cedar E. Minif, um, and they're from Kid Valley. Uh, can, you, can, you, can, you show, can you show us it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I know listeners, you can't see this. It's just so I can have a look yeah, at it. Well, yeah. oh, it is very small. Yeah. Is yeah. Yeah. Ah, there we are. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, so it's a nice looking ball. We'll put a picture. Yeah, of really, it. yeah, really, really like nice design, you know. And um, yeah, so it's it's nice talking to the guy in the bottle shop, and he said that it's never the same taste as well. So it's seasonal. So it's the same bottle, same design, but each time it comes out, it's just see, it's a seasonal brew. So um, yeah, each one tastes different. This one was a, it was a little bit fizzier than I thought initially, um, but yeah, I mean you can I don't know if you can see it's pretty dark, so you can't really yeah. <laughs> see through it that well, and a few bits floating. But um, yeah, it's very refreshing. Okay, I was going to say on your kind of like because uh, I guess I always see cider as a summer drink. Um, but I, obviously, if you're an avid cider drinker, as I know you are, you drink it all year round. Um, is it uh, on on the Bryn scale of you know this is delicious to this is this is terrible? Where does this one land? It's, it's got a good Bryn seal of approval, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's very similar to French cider, the sparkling French cider. Okay. Yeah. So it's like it's odd. It's like dry with a bit of sweet and um, yeah. just very very smooth to drink. It's not one that you just you know see off sort of thing yeah. it's one where you'd enjoy it with a meal that's kind of how i go with different ciders some some i drink and some i enjoy sort of sat with a meal and this is definitely one that yeah i'll be i'll be drinking this again let's put it that way cool nice yeah and at only five percent as well so it's not too bad for a cider yeah because i know some of the ciders i've heard you drinking before are ridiculous yeah. <laughs> some stupid strong stouts and stuff before but yeah some of the ciders you've drunk are ridiculous. yeah yeah and how about um so that like with you, what are you? What's your delicacy at the moment? Uh, so I'm I'm starting off easy. I've got something ridiculous later on, but um, I'm currently drinking um, Defender IPA by Brooklyn Brewery. Okay. Um, I discovered it last summer, and I might have even talked about it on this podcast before. So apologies, listeners, if I have. Um, but the reason I've got it though is because I got a takeaway. Uh, I got a four pint car, a four pint takeaway from um, a pub in Hitchin last night called the Albert, who we've discovered during lockdown of all times. Because me and Helen went there to have dinner outside in September, and it was raining and everything, but we we weren't comfortable being inside quite yet. Um, but they're they're doing takeaway 
uh, beer and stuff. So yeah, I took the dog for a walk and went to get some beer as, as I was passing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, I, I love it. It's a really good, it is probably more of a summer beer, um, but it is, it's very light. It's very refreshing. Um, I guess there's tones of, uh, not to sound too wanky, but it is, there's tones of kind of like citrusy tropical uh, at the back of the mouth as, you, as, you, as you're drinking it. Um, I, I mean, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite kind of, if I go to beers of Brooklyn's at the moment, Brooklyn are always pretty strong as a brewery. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm currently drinking. Um, I'm, I'm moving on to something stronger. Oh, and it's not too bad. Uh, later on. <laughs> I look forward to that then. <laughs> All right. So as mentioned earlier, we do have some guests joining us for the majority of the podcast uh, this time. So it's slightly different. Uh, and I do apologise if people can hear my dog barking in the background. Uh, someone posted something through the letterbox, probably Hitching Weekly or something like that, uh, which we'll look at and then used to dry out my trip. I think he's just getting his views across on the beer at the moment. He's probably <laughs> trying, to share, trying to share the one he's been drinking. I mean, if he's got anything from my personality, it's, it's probably that, that the fact that he's not drinking. When I'm yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Greg and Paul from Campaign for Pubs uh, are going to be joining us next for the rest of the show, uh, where we will have our usual features of Pub of the Month or Pub you're most looking forward to going back to once it's safe. Uh, for the, <laughs> in England, uh, pub beer news, um, as well as pub lovers corner. Uh, we also have a special treat that Bryn's going to share with us later on, where we're going to play a game, um, and that is all coming up after the break. Welcome back uh, to Pub Trotters Podcast. We are very lucky to be joined uh, this month by. Greg Mulholland and Paul Crossman from Campaign for Pubs. Welcome. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bryn. Hi, yeah. It's great to have you on board and you're joining us for the majority of the, session, of the podcast today. Uh, so that's very exciting. Um, so for those who don't know us uh, who are listening, uh, please, can you tell us a bit more about Campaign for Pubs and what it is that you do? Yes, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, first of all, Nick, and Bryn, thank you so much for having us on. And what a what a brilliant initiative having, you know, a podcast focus on pubs and, and going around new pubs. I love love going around new pubs myself. It's one of my favourite things. Is looking at any area and thinking, right, I've never been there. So you know, putting it on my list. So you know, what a what a great initiative. I would if I'm ever down in London and you're doing it, I will I will come and join you. Um, but yes, thanks so much for asking about the the campaign for pubs. Um, Paul and I and uh, a group of licensees, of pub campaigners, um, of, of pub lovers and small brewers set up the Campaign for Pubs earlier this year. We just realised that once we had this, um, this awful pandemic, which was going to have a devastating effect, that actually there was an urgent need for a real voice for pubs and publicans, because there are lots of other organisations, some of them do great work, um, but there isn't a single grassroots mass membership organization representing pubs pub pub campaigners like me pub enthusiasts like all of us who can all come together as one to speak up for pubs at a time when they most need it i mean actually it's something that uh, paul and i have been talking about for for a while and, and and the group who formed it have been talking about this 
um, we we all campaigned very hard together to get the the relaxation of the the beer tie um, through the pubs code back in 2014 and 15 um, and following that and following the fair deal for your local campaign coalition that we had back then we formed the British pub confederation which was to keep organizations working together but we just really realized that alongside that we needed a strong grassroots um, campaign organization that allowed people to join and you know and it's only 25 pounds a year it's two pounds eight a month you know less than uh, well more than half a pint actually in, in a lot of the pubs certainly around here perhaps uh, perhaps not quite the case in in London but you know it's, it's something that people can join up to they, they can make a commitment to support pubs by by joining us and getting involved in campaigning and certainly since we actually formally launched in June I think we've had quite an impact and people really are seeing why it's so vital to be speaking up for pubs because as I'm sure we'll you know come on to talk about you know pubs really are facing an existential threat but we want to raise that now but we're just as committed longer term for campaigning for a, a more sustainable, fairer, freer um, and more independent, more locally accountable future for our pubs. We're still seeing too many pubs, particularly in London, lost for alternative use because the value for development is, is, is greater than, the, than the, you know, the book value, not the actual value to the community, but the book value as a pub. Um, and we're still seeing um, licensees tenants treated poorly by some of the large pub owning companies and that's a huge issue so there are so many things that we want to campaign on going forward but obviously at the moment we are focused on helping pubs to to get through this crisis because you know that is crucial and we will lose some of our precious pubs some of the pubs that you love that i love that that paul uh, visits in, in your you know if we don't get through this with, with more support and get our pubs safely open again brilliant thank you for that um, Greg, <clears throat> and so was it? So this you mentioned this is only set up earlier this year, is that right? Yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was June, wasn't it, Greg? We we formally launched in June. I think we had the conversations, Paul, in early April when we. I think when I phoned you and we we mm. said, you know, we're going to have to do it. We, if we're ever going to do it, we need to do it now. Well, that was the, the, yeah. It was that opportunity really because we. Uh, Greg and I have known each other for a long time, you know, through pub campaigning. And Greg's modestly not mentioned that he was actually <laughs> he was actually the MP at the time that championed the pub code through through Parliament um, when he was MP for Leeds Northwest. And he earned himself the uh, the title pub champion at that point. You know, he really was our champion as an industry in Parliament at that time. And there were plenty of other MPs who were on the other side. So Greg kind of often came kind of head to head with certain characters who were rather more defensive of the uh, status quo, you could say. So, you know, Greg Greg was a point of contact for all of us who were licensees yeah. at the time. Um, there were lots of licensee groups that were very much within the industry that were fighting their corner. But as Greg said, you know, this year, the one thing we've never really had is the time to devote to actually setting something up like this. So if there was an upside to lockdown, <laughs> this was it. You know, we actually had the chance to actually get together with campaigners that we've known for years and actually put this mass membership organization together for people to actually join that would be interested in, in backing our cause as publican licensee and in Craig's case a political campaigner. Thank you very much for that so as you mentioned we are going to be uh, we'll, we'll, we'll interrogate you a bit more in Pub Lovers Corner later on uh, Dory it's not that intimidating although I do have a spotlight <laughs> on <you>. uh, <laughs> Uh, but I guess one thing, you know, we do like to talk about, uh, celebrate pubs and the drinks they serve. 
uh, whether that's tea, beer, vodka, um, but just out of reference. So we always like to have a drink whilst we're recording this and celebrate, obviously, giving the breweries an opportunity to be here and about as well. Um, so I'd just like to ask what people are drinking at the moment. Paul, can I start with you? Well, I'm in a strange situation because actually I'm trying to make use of this particular lockdown that we're still currently in uh, for a bit of um, <laughs> a bit of a health kick. So I'm drinking the only beer that I've got left in the house, which is Morehouse's, uh, it's called Chief Beer Taster. It was a special brew that was done for, uh, I can't remember his post actually, he was a very senior member of Morehouse's Brewery who left 10 years ago. So I've got a 10 year old bottle of beer here wow. um, that was 7% when it was brewed. So I'll try and get through the podcast okay. <laughs> what strength is now very well, nice though do you mind me at, yeah i was gonna say how's it going down Ten it's all right ago. it's a bit sherryish, but uh yeah i'll uh, i'll be sipping <laughs> Brilliant. fair enough uh bryn what about yourself what have you moved on um yeah so i've moved on to now i'm continuing my cider theme so i've gone to it's a tea gwen cider um called dabinet and yeah so the um i'm gonna have to test my uh, pronunciation skills again i think it's a uh, Pontrillais they're based in um and it's just a lot yeah a lot lighter than the earlier one um that I had you know they're again sort of local brewer um and lots of different availability when sort of looking at them online you know lots of different types of cider um so I specifically went for the medium for this one um just sort of just to get a bit of the sweet and dry but also similar to Paul to allow me to continue with functioning for the remainder of the pod as well i think so i you know, think it's worth knowing paul as well i think one thing if anything during covid i've discovered more non-alcoholic beers than anything else trying to find that middle ground mm. uh, a bit nicer as well Bryn, do you mind me asking have you still got any of the other beer left um i do yeah yeah I can you hold them. those two ciders up uh, and you we'll put a photo of this on our blog can you hold those two ciders up side by side because the color difference is ridiculous uh, just so Paul and um, Greg. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Are they both oh, wow. <laughs> Uh No, the first one is uh, Cidery Minnes. Oh, okay. Um, that's West Wales Kivelli. Um, but there's, yeah, it's very much, um, it's a seasonal press each time. So even though the bottom of the name's the same, the taste will always be different. So it's quite a, quite a nice one. Lovely. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, and Greg, what about yourself? What have you got with well, you? Well, I, I don't know if you happened to see my, my tweet yesterday, but I realised mid-afternoon yesterday, Friday afternoon, that I had failed to order any beer in from any local pubs, um, bottle shops, breweries, which I normally try to do for the weekend to get something okay. in. Um, <laughs> so so I, I thought it was looking very bleak, but I went along... We've got an excellent uh, independent off-license and bottle shop in Otley um, called the Curious Hop, run by Marcus, who is a super, super guy, um, you know, incredibly knowledgeable about his beer and loves pubs, of course. Um, and I popped in probably at about 10 to 6, and they close at 6, and I just said, have you got any mini casks? He said, I've got one left. And I got myself, it, it was a, it's a marble brewery um metric um otherwise known as pint so i nice. uh, i'm enjoying a marble brewery metric stroke pint which is uh, we're going now very nicely happy days we like we like we like marble in our pubs we order a lot of marble beer and very good brewery very good okay <clears throat> nice brilliant well whilst we uh, well i should tell people i should i guess i should say what i'm drinking 
Um, if anyone, so I, I kept referring to my next beer because I had something from a pub that I went to a pub last night to get a, a takeaway beer. Um, but I, <clears throat> I've also got <laughs> this. Um, they they didn't have the beer I was going to get on can. I was going to get some cans as well. And so I've got um, from Hamilton Brewery in London, who we've podcasted from before, one of my favourite breweries. I've got a Sunday sauce. Now, I imagine from the title of this uh, beer, you can imagine the sort of thing it is. I'll show you the colour of it. It's jet black. Uh, and it is a chocolate and vanilla Sunday stout. Yeah, it is very sweet. It's <laughs> into, uh, I mean, it's delicious. It's not something I'd want to drink a lot of. A fireside beer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a proper good stout where, like you say, you should be sat in a pub next to a fireside. Yes, indeed. Shouldn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> so, right, whilst we consume these, Bryn, I'm going to hand over to you to introduce us to the next segment. Yeah, and um, as we just mentioned about wanting to sit by a fireside in a pub, um, and it's that pub of the month. Um, so it's a chance to sort of go around and obviously, you know, for myself, I was fortunate that I visited a couple recently, but for yourselves, just which, which pubs you're looking forward to visiting, you know, and being able to go back to and just sort of, I guess, bring the pub to the table and sort of introduce them. Am I allowed to do some shameless self-promotion with this section or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? It's fine. Well, I, I run three pubs in York, so I'd, I'd be very happy to visit any of those three. Um, we have loads of excellent pubs in York, actually. But uh, just briefly, um, I run three pubs called The Swan and The Slip-In and The Volunteer Arms. The Slip-In is the current York region camera pub of the year, actually. Um, they're all very much real ale focused and community focused and wet lead completely. So we're 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 having problems at the moment with these new <laughs> these new uh, tiers that have just come in. Um, but if I don't promote one of my own pubs, the one that I would talk about in York would be the Blue Bell, I think, um, as run by the excellent John Pybus. Uh, it's a York institution. It's a gorgeous, tiny little pub. Um, again, totally wet lead. Uh, it's got a tiny capacity, but it's like an Edwardian gem. Two rooms and a tiny corridor, no outside space to speak of. But once you're in there, it's just the coziest place you can you could wish to be in York. It's gorgeous. Is this in? Is it in York itself? The it is. Yeah, it's down the street <laughs> called Fosgate, which is um, very very central York. Um, yeah. It's it's one of those pubs. It's a fixture in the good beer guide. You know, it's it's yeah. known for its beer and its its atmosphere. It's it's just exactly what you'd want if you wanted to stumble across a, a beautiful gem, tiny gem in York, and you yeah. end up in there, you'd be very, very happy. Nice. I love pubs that are really too small for the amount of people they It have. is too small. <laughs> <laughs> and also the pubs where you just discover as well, isn't it? Like when you're yeah, just walking absolutely. down, it's like, oh, let's look at this. You know, it? Yeah, so, um, yeah, Greg, how about yourself? Well, I'm, I'm very glad to say that, um, and it was probably luck rather than foresight, I had a wonderful a couple of nights in York about 10 days before we were unexpectedly put into the second lockdown. Um, I think we expected probably to go into tier three in West Yorkshire anyway. Um, but I had a, you know, absolutely glorious couple of nights. You've, you've got to change your, your, your pattern when it's the 10 PM curfew. You can't do things normally, mm. but nonetheless, mm. I was able to go to two of Paul's wonderful pubs, the Swan um, and the, and the Slip. Um, sadly, not the Bluebell, of course, which I certainly would have done. Um, but it was just glorious to be there. And I can't wait to get back to York. 
But actually, the simple answer to your question, Bryn, is whatever the first pub I happen to get in, because I just can't <laughs> wait for, I, you know, it, it's, I, 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 I walked out last night um, to, to the Curious Hop, as I mentioned, to get myself some takeaway beer. Um, and as I walked out, I suddenly had this, this bizarre sense. I was chatting to my wife and suddenly I thought, I just thought in my head, shall I pop into so-and-so? Shall I pop into the Bay Horse? Shall I pop into the Junction? Shall I pop into the Old Cock, the White Swan, the Groove Pad? All these wonderful places that I normally, you know, I'll pop out on a Friday tea time and I'll decide you know, which, which places. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll always pop in and have a pint into the two or three of my pubs. And, and, and you know, we, we're very lucky here and, and long may that continue we, to have several pubs. So I really don't mind. But as soon as I'm able to, I'll be getting into a pub again. And it, frankly, it will be um, the pub that is probably nearest to wherever yes. I am. Yeah. But I, I, I will also just say that um, you know, it's been a very tough year, so this is small compared to, you know, lots of the things that people are going through. But for for the last 29 years, I've had an annual weekend in Keswick in the in the Lake District. Um, it's a very, very special weekend with a group of friends, uh, my sister, um, and we've been doing it for years. And we, we love Keswick. It's a fabulous town, lots of excellent pubs. Um, obviously, we go walking and, you know, just it's just wonderful to, to have an autumn trip. And of course, this year it hasn't happened. And we were hoping we might just get it in before Christmas. But it's clear now that can't happen. So I can't wait to get back into those pubs in Keswick as well, because that it would have been our 30th year, our 30th anniversary Keswick. We're all looking forward to it. And it's one of the things that can't happen. And yeah, so I can't wait to get back to York to get back to Keswick and to get into my local pubs in Otley. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to give you one, but all of those. And, and I will I'll work take them all through when I can. Practically write down all the pubs. <laughs> I think that's something which um, I shared with Nick earlier. That was the first thing I did was went to the local, you know, rather than going further afield. So I, I want to go to the local pubs now, you know, and actually get back into them. But, um, yes, and Nick, obviously, you have you moved as well during this. So sort of where... Yeah, so I, I uh, so Paul and Greg won't know. So, <clears throat> like I said, I lived in London uh, for a long time, but we moved to um, Hart Hertfordshire uh, this time last year. So only had like you know three months of being able to explore the pubs in the area. Um, I guess I mentioned earlier the pub uh, pub called the Albert, which is where I got my beer from last night uh, in Hitchin. It's um, a really nice pub. Uh, we discovered it during lock uh, in between the lockdowns. We went for food and sat outside, and it, it's a what I, I've always been curious about it because it looks like a dive pub, uh, but then you go inside and it's really nice. They do amazing food, have a great selection of beer on tap. Uh, I love pubs like that. That I think you know, I, they I guess focusing on the quality of the food and the drink and the atmosphere is there. Regard as long as the walls are still standing, it's fine. Um, but I guess another pub. I sorry, I do a lot of running. And I often pass pubs and as I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, I'm taking my phone out and making a note so I can drag my better half to come for a Sunday roast there or something. And there's a pub in a place called Watton Stone called The Bull, uh, which is near kind of between Hertfordshire, Stevenage and Wellwyn Garden in uh, Hartford, Stevenage and Wellwyn Garden City in Hertfordshire. Um, yeah, and it just looks amazing. And so I think, again, I wanted to explore new pubs as I always do. I think that's the one that for me that's going to try and look to see when we can go there. Um, yeah. 
What about you, Bryn? I mean, I'm curious to hear uh, what, what you. I mean, so you you've been going to pubs. So uh, is there is there a pub of the month post fire circuit break or whatever? Mm. Yeah, and I think for me, where like I said, I'm lucky with Tiny Rebel, you know, and obviously the three grams by me. But when I can, I think I'm going to be getting the train to London. I'm going to then be getting the train to Waterloo. Walking out, I think it's a right and a right, and I hope this is still around. It's the Vaulty Towers, um, and for me, it's just you walk in. It's just a very, it's designed where they've taken a lot of sets from different shows. So you walk in and there's just little cubby holes you can sit in or you climb up ladders and you sit somewhere else and just a wide range of beers. And it's just a really fun and quirky place to go to. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be heading to London. <laughs> oh, it's funny you mentioned that, Bryn, because uh, one of the uh, listeners, regular listeners will remember Pat Dan Ian, as he's known, because uh, no one actually knows what his actual name is. And so as I call him Dan. Uh, left left the UK um, last year, and we had his leaving do at the Vault of Power. Um, so it's just a really small world. I know that it's ridiculous. So, like Greg Paul, I don't know if you've been there, but it's this pub that's just just got all this ridiculous decoration. Yeah. No, I don't know. I used to live in London, but I don't know that one. Oh, is it? Well, the, not the Church Alarms. No, it's called the Vaulty Towers, and it's, it's yeah. got like a luminous light and different random sets from films set up everywhere. Okay, no, well, I'm, I shall add that to my list then. I'm always looking. Mm. I, I will be emailing you after the uh, <laughs> after the programme because I'll be writing down all these pubs that you've mentioned. <laughs> no, the Church the Churchill Arms is the famous Fuller's one that has so many Christmas trees and decorations outside every year that you actually can't see the pub anymore. I don't know if you've ever been to that. It's uh, And that's a wonderful pub. It's great inside. But it's it's famous for its extraordinary Christmas decorations. Whether they'll be able to do that this year or not, I, I must check. But uh, is that in Waterloo or is that somewhere else? Uh, I honestly can't remember. I just I've just I've been to it. I've been visiting. Uh, I visited it a couple of times. There's a really um, good yeah. You know a pub called the Church Arms is really good and covered in greenery. Um, that, that's it. Yeah. That's okay. It. Yeah, yeah. I think I've mentioned it as my pub of the month once before. Now to the next section. My favourite part of the podcast is uh, the pub news. So each month or each time we do a pub uh, podcast, uh, we like to have someone, everyone bring a bit of pub news for us to kind of discuss. Uh, so it can be something quirky, silly, fun, positive. Um, we you make, try to make sure we don't duplicate anything and we haven't heard what anyone else's pub news is yet. So it could be extremely local uh, to them. It could be something about, it could be collaborations, it could be charity work pubs are doing, or just something random that you've seen. Um, so with this in mind, Bryn, I'm going to ask you to open up this section, if you will. What have you brought for us for uh, pub news? Yeah, so I, I went, I definitely went down a bit of a rabbit hole, um, just searching and searching. And I've decided actually what I'm going to do for all of you is um, give you £850,000 each. Um, I thought it'd be quite nice and actually ask whether you'd be interested in a four bedroom bungalow in Buckinghamshire. Um, it's got a lovely garden. Um, it's got its own outside toilet. But as you scroll down, you walk over a little stream and it's got its own bar. And looking at the photos, it's, it looks like about seating for about 10 people. Um, I think there's about three or four pumps there. Uh, you've got the dartboard, you've got the lights. It's just, 
incredible. And there's also planning permission for a loft conversion as well. So if you wanted to add a club, add a music venue, you know, you can just do that. So yeah, you know, if anyone wants to pull together with me and has that money spare, um, I'm going to go buy my own pub down there. <laughs> so did you, you did, so in your rabbit hole of pub searching, you ended up finding a house for sale with a, bar, a pub, a bar or an, like how big is this pub bar at the end of the stream? I mean, it's, it's called an authentic bar, complete with typical pub furniture. And it, it genuinely looking at it, I'd say you'd probably sit about 12 people in there. Has it got a name? And they don't, it doesn't have a name, so. All right, well, come on, I quick, 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 fire, quick fire round to all of us. Bryn, we'll start with you, because you brought it up. If you had a pub bar at the end of your garden, what would you call it? Bryn, go. I, I'd straight away go Bryn's bar. Everyone Bryn's back bar. to Bryn's bar, yeah. And it'll be a nice photo of me then. My thumbs up on the sign. Okay, Greg. Well, I was actually given a, a handful of beer engine for my fiftieth birthday, but I've got uh, I've got concerns. Of course, I'll happily use it during lockdown. But seeing as I live about one hundred and fifty yards from two, well, three smashing pubs, um, it's not something I would do regularly outside of London. But it it is an ambition of mine. One day, long after I'm gone, perhaps. I'd love to have a pub called the Mulholland Arms, but I'd want it to be a real pub. I don't want it. I wouldn't ever call my own little bar that, but I tell you what, I'd love to have a real pub um, called the Mulholland Arms. So I can, I can dream. There's a good ring to that. Yeah. Make it a reality. Dreams can be realities. Uh, Paul, what about yourself? What would you call? Well, I mean, you, you own. It's, it's tricky. Yeah, because I've already. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, you, if, you've got an, if you've got another pub. Would you change the name, and if so, what would your dream pub be called? Well, I, the thing is, I, I wouldn't change the name of a pub. I'd have to have a new pub and be able yeah. to name it. Exactly. So yeah. I don't like changing names of pubs. So uh, I'd, I'd love to set up a new pub that was like a model of independence, and it probably call, call it something like the Independence or something like that, oh, that nice. was all independent beer, all kind of local supply chain and all that kind of thing. I think that's, you know, I'd go for the Independence. How about that? The independence, nice. Some great names there. And ju just, just a nice, uh, nice touch for you. One of Paul's three pubs is called the Volunteer Arms. Well, yeah, when, yeah. We were when we were discussing where the campaign for pubs should be based, it's a grassroots organisation um, run by um, an excellent, passionate team of volunteers. We're always looking for more volunteers, by the way. A little, little yes. plug. People <laughs> would like to volunteer and, and get involved. But we suddenly thought, hang on, that's perfect. So the campaign for pubs. A volunteer organization its hq and registered office is the volunteer arms there you nice. go <laughs> I, that clocked earlier when you were mentioning i was like what's a random name for a pub there must be a story behind that um there you go um brilliant thank you bryn so um where, where is that where is that house bryn uh it's i've got buckinghamshire, buckinghamshire. and i've got a frozen browser which is ah there they are higher denim Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I know it well. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, brilliant. Thank you, Bryn, for, for the. I mean, it's pub news slash estate agent. Um, yeah. <laughs> Greg, what about yourself? You brought us any pub news? Um, yeah, it's it, normally I, I would have liked to have brought something perhaps a bit quirky um, or a bit fun, but it's quite hard to do that in the in the current situation. Um, but what I thought I would report on, you know, Thursday, uh, the 26th, wasn't it, that was the date that we had the mm. announcement of the new tier system. 
um, and you know, for, for tier system for England. So obviously that was a devastating day for pubs and publicans, particularly because so many, virtually the whole country, bar um, you know, Cornwall, the Ciliars, the Isle of Wight, were in tier two or tier three. So wetland pubs not able to operate normally in virtually the entirety of England, as well, of course, as having pubs in Northern Ireland still closed, pubs in, in Wales facing restrictions, pubs in parts of Scotland closed, some unable to serve alcohol. So, But it was a really grim day for pubs in England. But at the same time, on that day, on the on Thursday, the, the 26th of November, um, and it didn't really get much coverage, but Neil Bibby, MSP, um, MSP uh, up in Glasgow, um, he managed successfully to get his private members bill, the Tide Pubs bill, through the Scottish Parliament at the first stage, which is huge news and a, and a wonderful achievement. And Neil has done um, a fabulous job and it's been a pleasure working with him and uh, other organisations uh, over the over the last few years, really, to, to push. Because, of course, we got the pubs code into law in England and Wales back in 2014 15. Mm -hmm. uh, but it didn't apply to Scotland. So that's been a campaign ever since then. And Neil has taken up that issue um, and has successfully got it through. And every credit to the Scottish Government, they backed it. Um, they weren't sure if they were going to, but they did back it. They want a few changes, and that's always something to look at, always mm -hmm. something that you know could be an issue. But, but nonetheless, it, it's got through. Um, and as I say, because of the devastating pub news in England, didn't get much coverage. So I thought, you know, there was some good news there. So pub tenants in Scotland um, who are paying unreasonable beer prices, excessive rents, they now will get the chance, assuming that bill goes through the second stage, they will get the chance to challenge that, to get an independent rent assessment um, and to go free of tie in a way that many pubs in uh, in England and Wales have tried to do and a few um, indeed Paul being one of them have been successful so you know cheers um, and, and it's launched to uh, to Neil Bibby and, and the team up there so that was some really good positive pub news yeah cheers raise a glass of that <laughs> that's amazing so, so you mentioned um, what would that uh, just thinking about the listenership and the, well, listenership the people who listen to this little podcast so is that a case when you say um, can be independent from uh, owners or is that a case of uh, the rent of the property where the pub is can you elaborate a bit more on that for us Craig what that means yeah I mean very simply the the the, the, the beer tie system um, oper operates on the basis that you pay um, inflated prices you pay considerably inflated prices for your beer um, often for other products often for actually for all products and, and services so you're paying well above the normal market price the normal brewery price it's a very strange very strange model now you know many years ago uh, good companies and indeed you know i'm sure there are some companies who operate in this way now um, they charge a, a very low rent you know a non-market rent a well below market rent to compensate for those inflated beer prices but unfortunately, when we had the reorganisation of the pub sector through the beer orders, which was a great idea to allow more choice for consumers, but it was badly implemented, um, it, it led to the creation of the standalone pub companies, property companies who don't brew beer, but still operated the same model, the same model of charging these excessive beer prices, you know, 
prices that you know mean that they simply can't compete particularly with the likes of Weatherspoons, but they actually can't make a living from the pubs that they operate and those companies got themselves into huge amounts of, of debt through utterly reckless behavior some of the worst sorts of venture and crony capitalism that you've seen um, and ever since then they have been trying to get that money back to try and pay off their debts from ripping off and it is ripping off their landlords and it's been something that's been an issue we've campaigned as Paul has said and we've got some changes not the changes that we quite wanted and not done properly in England and Wales but we did get them and now Neil has followed that and actually working with Neil we hope that Neil has brought some better legislation cleaner clearer legislation that will give Scottish tenants who are on that model the the opportunity to challenge that and to say well if you're going to charge me these prices then I want a much lower rent otherwise I'm going to go free of tie yeah. on a on a market rent so it, 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 it's quite simple and you know we but it's certainly some good news north of the border. Fantastic it's nice to hear some like you say it's good to hear some positive news in what are obviously very difficult times at the moment um, and thanks for the explanation on that as well. Um, Brilliant. Paul, what about yourself? What news have you brought? Well, I'm glad that Greg picked that one because that was really good. And I was worried that you might pick the one that I was going to talk about. Uh, as Greg said, it's quite hard to think of positive news at the moment, actually. But there have been a couple of things recently. The Scottish situation is fantastic. And Greg's right to mention that. I have a very pub specific one to tell you, which you'll like being pub trotters. Um, <laughs> and it relates to a fabulous pub in Liverpool called the Roscoe Head. Um, now, this relates a bit to what Craig, Greg's been talking about. Uh, the Roscoe Head is run by a great landlady called Carol Ross. Uh, it's been in Carol's family for nearly 40 years. Her parents ran the pub before she did. Uh, and in fact, while they were running this pub, Carol was off running other ones, including the amazing uh, Philharmonic at one point in Liverpool. If you've ever been to, been to Liverpool, you might know it. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, fantastic building. Anyway, Carol then came back to where the family were based to take over the running of the Roscoe Head. Um, and she ended up embroiled in this situation. So I got to know Carol nearly 10 years ago now through pub campaigning. We, we were with the same pub company. We're both leasing under the Tide model, uh, both finding it very difficult to make ends meet. Even though our pubs were very successful, we found there was too much profit going to the pub company, which was a, was a hugely common problem. This, this is the situation Greg was talking about. Yeah. So we both got involved in pub campaigning. We both got to know Greg. We were both on the gallery in the Houses of Parliament on the day that the pub's code went through. Uh, and it was just a note on that. It was the only defeat for the coalition government against a three-line whip that happened during their entire term. Uh, there were enough rebels within the Conservative Party to actually tip this over the line. Um, and back the opposition to get this bill through. So it was a momentous day and Carol was down there and she saw the legislation go through in Parliament. And then it took about 16 months for it, for the actual legislation to be implemented. Um, and in that time, and this is absolutely appalling what happened to Carol, the pub company that owned both our pubs, luckily they left me alone, but they sold off a load of pubs, uh, sort of bottom end disposal sites and they dumped them off to a company a retail conversion specialist and mm. they put a few sites into that package that were prominent campaigners and one of them was carol's and she runs a fantastically successful pub in, in liverpool it's, it's, it's a gem it's been in every edition of the good beer guide it's only one of five pubs in the country that's in that situation and she got sold off before the legislation was enacted so this 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 new law that she'd been part of working for she was then denied access to the rights that she'd helped won. 
if you can believe that. And you know, her situation is like a microcosm of everything that's wrong with our industry. Mm. So poor Carol has had to struggle on since 2015 when she was sold off under a tied model, seeing other people having the right to market rents only and being denied that right. And she's had a battle all of those years. And she's just literally about a fortnight ago managed to wrestle this pub into her own ownership. She's brought the freehold to the Roscoe head. And honestly, this, this news, it's so fantastic. And it's actually of national significance, not just for Liverpool. Mm. It's mm. such an important case. And it, it's something to be really celebrated. So if you guys, you pub trotters, find yourself in Liverpool, you have to do a broadcast from the Roscoe head, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a nice story, though. I think, as you yeah. say, a pub-specific story, I think, is, is one of those things. Is, it, it brings the stories to life a bit more when people can resonate with the actual locality and the community of a pub. Yeah, it's uh, such a wonderful pub as well, you know. And now, now Carol can deal with all her local suppliers. She can go direct to local brewers. She's got yeah. five or six handfuls on the bar that are all going to be local, you know, independent beer. It's just an absolute fantastic story. Mm. Fantastic. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, so I'm assuming you've been to this pub, Paul. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. When was the last time you were there? How have they been managing with COVID and things? Well, they've been struggling in the sense that, you know, like the pubs that I run, it's entirely wet lead. I mean, she does sandwiches and stuff, but nothing that would be called a substantial meal. Yeah. So I don't think, um, you know, I think there's a good chance that Carol's pub, like ours, may well be closed into the new year. But, mm -hmm. um, the, 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 you know, the pressure's off with rent now. That's a good thing. She, she owns the freehold. As long as her backers are OK for her to wait to open, she'll be fine. I was actually there back in February. Um, we took the family over before the, the big lockdown happened in March went for a, a long weekend in Liverpool and I, I insisted that, you know, um, my wife Sarah and, and two children accompanied me to the Roscoe Head and we all met Carol again and uh, she's, just, she's been to our pubs as well. So yeah, February and that's pretty much the last chance we had to go, to be honest. So thank you for the pub news that you brought to us today, everyone. Uh, it's great to hear some positive stories um, in the current sort of state of affair. Um, now, we're going to be going into Pub Lovers Corner in a bit, where we'll hear more about uh, Campaign for Pubs. But before we do that, co-host Bryn has a quiz that he'd like to run with us. Is it a pub or is it a beer? Is it a pub or a beer? I do, because I know that everyone loves the Zoom quiz during lockdowns. <laughs> you know, no one got tired of them. So I, um, I thought I'd bring a very quick fire one where it's just trying to work out, is it a pub or is it a beer? So I'm going to go around and I'll start with you, Nick, and just name whether you think it's a pub or a beer. So we've got a bunch of carrots. Ooh, bunch of carrots. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a craft beer somewhere made from carrot juice. Um, but I, I, I think that's a pub. I'm going to go pub. And you'd be right. It's a pub in Hampton Bishop, Hereford. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Bunch of, bunch of carrots. Okay, um, Greg, let's try you with this one. Would you drink in the geriatric hipster club or would you drink it? I think I'd probably rather drink it than be drinking in it or a member of it. I mean, I, I may be pushing, you know, 50 now, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm geriatric and I probably certainly, I've got a beard, but I don't think I'm a hipster. So I'm, I'm saying that's a beer. And um, yeah, cool. This is, this is almost too easy for you. So it's, it's a beer and it's called from the brewery. 
Um, Paul, how about the legend of Oily Johnnies? Oh, blimey. Well, I guess the other two, right? But I'm not sure about this one. Um, <laughs> uh, the legend of Oily Johnnies. That does sound... <laughs> I'm going to go beer. I'm going to go beer for that one. So it's actually a pub in Windscales, Cumbria. Oh. <laughs> oh, no way. I, I've had a great journey of looking at these. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go back to Nick. Naughty horse. Naughty horse. Sounds like something out of Alan Partridge or Blackadder. <laughs> um, is it just naughty horse? Not the naughty, naughty horse. horse. Naughty horse. Naughty horse. What a drink. I'll have a pint of naughty horse, please. I think that's a beer. Well, you could, it's a cider, so I'll give you that. Oh, yeah. Ah. Apple country. <laughs> <Texica>. so, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So it was more natural asking to drink it than to go there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Greg, let's try Club Tropica. Club Tropica. Club Tropica. Oh, um, I can't imagine that's going to be a traditional pub. It could be a craft beer bar, but I'm going to go beer. And you'd be right. So it's, it's one of the local beers for me from Tiny Rebel. Um, oh, there so you go. They've actually just released yeah. a um, non-alcoholic version of, of the beer as well. It's very sweet, very nice. Well, I'll try okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paul, my father's moustache. <laughs> oh, blimey. Good life like Club Tropica. We've had that on our bar in the pubs. I knew that one. <laughs> um, uh, my father's moustache. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah. Surely, oh God, hang on. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go counterintuitive now. I'm gonna say because it sounds like it's probably a hipster beer. I'm gonna go for a pub. It is. It's a pub ah. in Lincolnshire. Now you all got on with that one. But, um, okay. And so finally, Nick, I'm gonna put this one on you. And what do you reckon? In fact, you're gonna describe a beer for me. Okay, go on. I want you to describe a beer that would be called Support Pubs Now. How would it be? Um, oh, support Pubs Now. I think it would be a, it would definitely be a, a, a cask beer. Um, and it would need to have a bit of a punchy flavour. A bit like an American pale ale. Um that it, but like something that is drinkable as well and that everyone would like so kind of not not too sweet not a bit a bit hoppy but more malty than anything else um and and smooth obviously as well uh but, and, but like i said yeah from from a from a keg not a cask okay. uh, no from a cask not a keg from a cask not a keg and um, paul and greg what, what are your thoughts on that on next description then well i i, I greg i think we should uh, have a word with our our brewery coordinator, Phil Saltonstall from Brass Castle, don't you? Maybe, maybe they could brew on the Brass Castle called the uh, Support Pubs now. I think, I think you're right, but I think I think you've just given us a fabulous idea there, Brew. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think I think we'll start with Nick's brief, but I think yes, it absolutely has to be punchy, dynamic, um, in your face, um, and let's face it, a little bit bitter at the moment because we're we're all pretty pretty bitter about what's going on and the, the lack of support and just to just to to chuck in on the back of that um you know the, the, the what we're doing at the moment as the campaign for pubs is we have this petition 
the support pubs now hashtag support pubs now petition which is calling for a package of support for pubs um, we're calling for grant levels of at least a thousand pounds a week because at the moment the grant levels don't even cover costs we want um, a, an independent uh, we want sorry we want a statutory uh, code of practice um, for rents uh, and including uh, the right to an independent rent review which is crucial to make sure that rents are not excessive because trade is affected and rents should be um, changed to reflect that and in many cases are not being but we also want to see VAT at 5% for all pub sales. It can't just be for food and for accommodation. That does nothing for wetland pubs. It has to be on all pub sales, including beer and cider and everything else. Um, and we need another business rates holiday for 2021 to 2022. We also think, um, talking about uh, Phil Saltstall, who is the brewer, the, the brewer coordinator for the campaign for pubs, because we do have a strong um, small brewer uh, elements in the campaign and very keen to support them and small cider producers we have small cider producers as well um, well we also need to have a tailored package of support for those brewers cider makers and other suppliers there are so many suppliers that supply to pubs in so many different ways and their businesses are very badly affected too some of those businesses are also on the brink and there needs to be a tailored package of support too so yes i think we'll be uh, we'll be emailing phil and saying if seeing if brass castle can can give us a support pubs now beer um that would be that would be a great thing to do and uh, so if i was interested in that how would i sort of find out more information as well what would be the best place well, if you're on if you're on social media, the campaign for pubs is on Twitter at campaign for pubs, um, Instagram as well at campaign for pubs, and also on Facebook we have a page and we have a group that people can join, um, and we, we have a website of course as well. The actual petition is on change.org, so if you if you search hashtag support pubs now, you will find that. But we would urge everyone everyone who believes that the pub is important to our communities, to our culture, um, and to you know, to, to our identity as a, a as a nation, then please go on and support that because pubs really do need a comprehensive package of support to get through the winter. Because we are talking without more support, and the current levels of support are grossly inadequate. And the government is making the decision to force pubs to close. Let's remember that it's an optional decision, and they are doing it, claiming that this is necessary when actually. All the evidence shows that pubs could be allowed to safely and sensibly open as I did earlier in the year. So we're urging everyone, whether you're a publican, whether you're a customer, whether you're a campaigner, a pub lover, a cider maker, a brewer, a supplier to the trade, if you care about pubs, sign the Support Pubs Now petition and share it with all your friends and get them to sign it. Let's get it up into thousands and thousands of people to get the message across to the government. Absolutely. I, I would totally agree with that. And I would say that anybody who's interested in the campaign uh, head to the website and make your first stop have a look at our mission statement it's all laid out in there the reason that we made this campaign you know we, we formed it in the first place uh, everything's laid out there it's about way more than covid that's for sure so we, we seem to have sauntered into pub lovers corner uh, without as much of a transition or a formal declaration uh, which is lovely thank you for sharing the details of, of an incredibly important campaign um, and I think Paul your point just then it's interesting because obviously you've formed in the year as you mentioned so as you've mentioned earlier in the podcast you formed in the year of Covid uh, and it, it sounds as if 
campaign for post was something that was potentially on the brink of being formed at some point anyway, but obviously COVID made it more of a, uh, right, we need to do this. So uh, can you, are you able to, whilst we're, and now we're in Pub Lovers Corner, um, what, so is that true? Like what was the, what are the plans after COVID and kind of what was your, you know, what's been the thinking? Have you just focused on COVID or is it, like you've, stu- you've thought about the bigger picture side of things. Well, the problem the problem we've had really this year is that COVID's taken over everything. So, yeah, yeah, as I say, the pub the, the campaign for pubs is about much more than that. Um, we've got a vision really of, of a, a completely changed pub industry in, in the UK, where there's a much fairer deal for not just pubs but all their suppliers and in, in the, the huge supply chain as well. Um, and just to overcome some of the problems that mean that currently it's difficult for pubs to actually reflect the their own area where they are. You know, pubs have become very generic, especially under these these mass ownership models that have gone on. Um, and we'd like to see a much more vibrant um, industry that really can reflect the, the regional diversity around this country. That's a big a big goal for us, mm-hmm. um, and can do so in a way that's sustainable. That makes a good living for everybody involved, which it should do. Um, and uh, a, a good example of that, if anyone has seen recently seen Tom Kerridge's, uh, I think rather excellent three-part program on saving Britain's pubs. Um, the point was very well made in the first episode when they were talking to Lottie and Miles, who run the pub in Stroud. Um, and they looked at their beer prices and they looked at the prices that the brewers were also being paid in this supply chain which is the thing that Greg and I have worked so hard and loads of other people over the years to actually achieve some reforms to this rather anti-competitive um, supply chain that exists at the moment. Um, but there's, that supply chain is part of an entire sort of institutionalized structure, which is now dominating the pub and beer industry in the country. Uh, it's anti-competitive, it's monopolistic, um, it's dominated by powerful players who use their power to their market position and it affects everyone who likes likes pubs you know who loves pubs who works in pubs but also who loves and uses pubs because it limits it limits choice for the customers uh, it limits the revenues that everyone in the supply chain can get um, and Lottie and Miles shouldn't be running a pub that turns over three and a half three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year and making three thousand pounds a year from their efforts they shouldn't have to put a pizza oven in their outbuilding to try and make a bit more money. They've got a, a business that turns over hundreds of thousands of pounds a year, and all of their profit is being taken out by the structures that exist in this industry. It's not right. It affects all sorts of different things. It affects consumer choice. It affects the, the experience people have in their pubs. Um, and it, it, it unfortunately has led to a narrative whereby people think, well, pubs just aren't like they used to be. They've had their day. You know, you hear this stuff all the time. Use it or lose it. It's because pubs have been rendered so poor by this um, by this structure that that's what needs changing. It needs a grassroots, a, a, a ground up institutional re- reform. Brilliantly said, Paul. Um, I think we t- completely agree with you. And I think this is a, it obviously sounds as if the COVID has taken over any everything. And I suppose it, we're at a stage of survival of the fittest for the moment, isn't it? It's almost uh, pubs are being forced into having to. 
uh, find ways of, of surviving, especially as Greg, you mentioned, you know, the new tier systems that are going to be coming into England and, after, and probably Wales um, in the near future and after the lockdown in England. Um, a local pub near me, you know, I, I, I got, um, so I've had some beer from them. They, tell, they were telling me how they're trying to create their free, free course budget meal. Um, so that they, so they, they do food, but you know, they don't, they, they want to try and do something to still encourage pub goers to come who actually just want to have a pint, but therefore they would, but they would, they need to order a meal. And so they're trying to figure out like a, a, the cheapest free course meal they can make. So people can stay there for free courses and have a beer. Uh, I mean, Greg, if you like, I guess we were being aware of time, um, you know, what can people do to support pubs? Uh, what, what, what are the main challenges for pubs and uh, how can we help them moving forward as pub lovers? Well, that's a good question. And so many people I think want to support pubs as well as supporting small brewers and cider makers. Um, and it's not always obvious how you can support pubs at a time, particularly when they're closed. And I think many of us are thinking about the people we know who run our pubs, who work in our pubs and worrying about them. And that's absolutely as it should be. So I think what, what we're asking people to do, what we're suggesting people should do, first of all, sign the support pubs now petition, calling for an urgent package of support, because that is the most urgent thing. Yeah. And we need to see thousands of people on that petition to make the government listen, to make MPs listen, that they need to support pubs through this winter or many will close and many families will face hardship if that doesn't happen. Um, the second thing um, is, you know, depending on where you are, support your pubs by spending your money and whether, you know, there are some areas of the UK where some pubs are open um, in, in obviously tier two areas in, in England. You've got to do that with food, um, but we'd still urge people to go and support pubs and have a meal and spend your money. Other pubs are doing takeaway. Some are doing takeaway beer. Uh, some are doing takeaway cascale, which is great. Craft beer. Um, so we're doing takeaway food. So do look and see what's on offer in your area and, and who you can support. Um, but we'd also ask people to write to their MPs, to write to their MPs saying that the government needs to wake up to the threat. Tell them the support package that's needed from the support pubs and our petition uh, and really get MPs understanding what's going on and lobbying the government. Because if they're going to make the decision to close pubs, they have to support them. And the final thing, the fourth thing, we would ask people to join the campaign for pubs. The whole point is this is a campaign organisation set up for everyone. It's a community of all of us in this country, in all parts of the country, in England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, all of us who care about pubs and publicans and pub staff, the wonderful people who run our pubs and serve our communities, as well as the brewers, cider makers and suppliers. We need to come together to support them. And the best way to do that is to have a strong voice. And we believe the campaign for pubs is that voice. And we'd ask, you know, we'd ask all the, the pub trotters, listeners, fans, um, and all who, who care about pubs, all who think pubs are important, join us. It's only £25 a year, £2.8 a month. That's all it takes. Just make that commitment. Because at the moment, there is a team of volunteers working exceptionally hard, too hard, um, and we, we need to keep speaking up, but we can, we can only do it if people support us and get behind us because we want thousands of people speaking up for pubs with us. So join us, join the campaign for pubs and do those other three things. And then actually, I think people will be doing what they can 
in this very difficult time to support our pubs. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Greg. Um, and I, I just uh, just to re-emphasize the idea of <clears throat> joining Campaign for Pubs, um, it's something I did a while ago, and it's it's well worth it if you are a pub goer that you should be trying to support your locals and spend that money. Um, think about what you might usually do on a Friday night. That's how I personally, just my personal tip. I, you know, I don't buy all the beer from the supermarket. I'll buy a bit, then be like, you know what, Friday night, I'll look to see what's going on around and go pick up some. Um, so on a, on a, I guess, slowly moving towards the finish of this, I've got some more, I guess, we like to uh, think about our kind of memories of pubs as well. And then, you know, the, I think that for, for us, at pub trotters it's very much the, the good memories that we all have of being in pubs together and the community feeling that pubs from your city center pubs to your middle of the sticks pubs that we all have uh with that uh but i feel if i, I, I just want I, and we'll come to a, a question about that in a minute i just wanted to ask um paul you mentioned and this, i don't know why this came to mind i just and i just thought it'd be a bit random um, so you mentioned obviously the chain of things and resources that people think of pubs and they think of beer cider and the chain of that side of things. And so one of my earliest memories, so we're going to ask, I'm going to ask you all, what was the early, your earliest memory of buying an alcoholic drink at a pub and what pub was it uh, in a minute? Um, I've done this question loads of time, which is why I'm not going to answer it. So Bryn's going to be part of this as well. But when, when you mentioned about the chain of pubs, I remember thinking when I was a kid, um, one snack that I always loved, and I, I can only ever seem to sit, find it in pubs, is scampi. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, is <laughs> it's, a, it's probably it's a serious question, but at the same time, maybe a bit silly. For people who don't know, scampi are like these fried, crisp snacks. Um, I don't know how else to describe them actually, but I remember thinking, oh, I wonder how the scampi, the scampi snacks doing. <laughs> is it is it can people like those as well that are actually you know maybe not as bad as breweries and pubs struggling because they sell their products in supermarkets and things maybe but i only know that as, and like pork scratchings i guess is pork another yeah. one well we we sell both those things in our in our, in our pubs in york we don't we, we don't do any hot food or anything we haven't got kitchens in any of our pubs so as a result we have a tremendous snack range <laughs> and we're quite well known for our snack range and we do sell scampi fries you'll be glad to hear and pork scratchings of course um and scampi fries are a good seller they really are they're very popular because they're really salty you know and people like a really salty snack don't they so uh, especially with a beer so yeah they're doing very well i can reassure you they're doing very well yes at the moment i guess that's the thing isn't it i think people, and as we discussed in, in have discussed in the break it's the other lines of, it's the other chain of food and drink products that come through a pub that people don't maybe think about as much understandably so um, yeah it's, it's difficult with snacks to support you know when you've got like bagged snacks you know you can try and find local suppliers and we do manage to get some local stuff but obviously most most things are, are, are national brands but uh yeah. But yeah we do we do our best that's fair enough. But, but it's, an it's an important point, Nick. I mean, you know, obviously we're very concerned and focused on pubs um, and the huge loss of income. You know, the, the fact that pubs are getting into debt, publicans are getting into debt every week that their pub is closed at the moment. People don't seem to be understanding that. It's not just about not having income. It's about actually they are getting into more and more debt. But equally, you know, brewers have been affected, particularly that there, there are brewers who are almost entirely reliant on pubs for, for cask beer. They've not been able to brew. They've had to chuck a load of beer out. Similarly with um, some cider producers um, and, and other suppliers and even things like, you know, cleaning, cleaning suppliers to pubs. 
people are suffering because of the very arbitrary decision to to close pubs in areas, which I'm afraid isn't evidence based. Obviously, we all agree. All of us agree. Paul and I, uh, Paul and I couldn't be clearer that it is right to do everything we can um, as a society to get this awful disease under control. But that's about changing our behaviour. And the government hasn't justified the measures it's taken, nor the Scottish government, the UK government, the Scottish government haven't justified these measures. But the impact it's having, not just on pubs, not just on businesses, on people's lives, lives and livelihoods throughout the supply chain. And we need to focus on that human impact, because at the moment, you know, we've got this ludicrous situation of the government saying, right, we can all have this five day period where we're allowed to socialize again and, and you know have three households and yet pubs are closed and what that actually means and the closure throughout december the busiest month of the year what that means nick is that many pub families will not actually be able to afford to put christmas dinner on their table they will be facing hardship they're facing the loss of their businesses and their livelihoods and everything and that's kids you know, so that's families and children, hundreds of thousands of families and children. And we yeah. need to get that message across as well as getting the message across that we want to stop pub closures and keep pubs uh, going and still there so that they can open again safely when they're allowed to do so. Yeah, it's interesting. It's all just, I've just suddenly thought then about even like the locals as well, you know, people who that is their one place, that is their community, you know, that's they're regularly there on that day to see those people and otherwise they may not you know they may be isolated then at home during the Christmas period and it's sort of yeah thinking of putting them in the picture as well you know and the impact on them. It's such, it's such an important point and especially you know with with the fact that um, with most of the country under tier two the kind of pubs that I run in York you know we are wet-led pubs and we're very community focused mm. We've got people, you know, that is their source of social contact, you know, and they come down very regularly to meet people and talk. And during these dark winter months, you know, that's when pubs like that possibly yeah. are most needed for people's welfare, you know, their mental welfare, social welfare, just to keep in touch and for everyone to know that everyone's okay. These networks are hugely important. And I think the fact that the, the wet lead pubs have been targeted so, so much throughout this entire crisis, to be honest with you, we, we, we have been at a disadvantage compared to food-led pubs uh, and we know actually from a freedom of a freedom of information request that um our friend chris wright a pubs advisory service did um that the government's been consulting with the big chains and the big businesses that have big food level chains you know yeah we, we all know we all know who i'm kind of referring to i won't be specific but but you know <laughs> friends of the government so we say that mm. uh, that have these big businesses uh, and meanwhile all of the small businesses like mine that actually run these tenanted pubs for their community. We haven't been able to get a seat at the table. We haven't been able to actually get our point across about the importance of what we do. Mm. And we have been excluded as a result. And it's not acceptable, actually. I'm going to, I mean, we, I feel like we could easily do more conversations uh, about this. Um, Paul, Greg, we'd love to have you on again uh, in a couple of months' time, maybe, and to see, explore what's, gone, what's changed and what's happened since then. Um, just kind of on a on a on an end, a finishing note. I mean, like as I was talk, referring to earlier about Scampi, you know, early memories of pubs of mine are, are very much about where my family grew up as well. Um, so going back out to you three, so Bryn, I'm going to start with you. What what was the first drink or earliest memory of an alcoholic drink you brought in a pub, and what was the name of the pub if you can remember? 
Okay, so my first my first memory of an alcoholic drink in a pub, I can't remember the name of the pub, but it was in Norfolk. I was about four years old. Um, I'd just been in the play area, ran back, went to, picked up what I thought was a pint of Coke, and it was it was my father's stout. So that's my first memory. And that didn't, and I haven't touched stout <laughs> since actually. But um, and then unfortunately, after regaling myself as a cider drinker, um, the first alcoholic drink I bought was Lydney Rugby Club, and I bought myself a pint of Strongbow. And yeah, I continue to beat myself up with, you know. Oh, I, mean, I wouldn't beat yourself up. No one's first drink is necessarily a classic. <laughs> Although I did, we did yeah. do the first as we did the, the, the guest we had uh, from a part of the birdcage in uh, Shoreditch. His first drink was some sort of Belgian triple or something. And I remember just thinking, where did you grow up? Like, oh, yeah. where that was. <laughs> Um, so don't you worry about it. Uh, I think a rugby club is a, is a very common kind of place to have yeah. your uh, And a uh, Strongbow classic. Um, and just for everyone else's, my first drink was a uh, uh, Worthington's. Worthington's. And I still don't mind a Worthington's cream flow. Goes down easy. Uh, Paul, what about yourself? What was your first, first alcoholic drink you bought in a pub? And what was the pub, if you can remember? Oh, God. I, I I was a bit when I was young. I was very very young looking, <laughs> so <laughs> I was really paranoid about pubs. And I'm afraid, you know, couldn't say that I run pubs now. I was that why is that some sort I, of? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I was just incredibly law abiding, and I didn't actually have a drink in a pub until I was 18. And it was on my 18th birthday, and my dad took me down to the Charterhouse Arms in in Godalming, where I grew up in in Surrey, and uh, bottom of Frith Hill this pub and I and I think I was I was sent to the bar to get a drink which was good training from my dad but um prior to that I'm afraid my 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 only experience of beer particularly was uh my nan sort of slipping me a taste of some brown ale that she had in some little bottle um in that way that nans do I saw this brilliant thing on the internet the other day saying um hands up if you're nan when she used to give you money it was like doing a drug deal because she'd like slip it into your hand quietly you know and, I, and everyone said yeah my nan did that well, my nan, my nan did that with some brown ale once and said, go on, have a little try of that. And I thought it was disgusting. So I'm afraid I didn't kind of recover until my 18th birthday properly. And I've made up for it since. I have made up for it since. What was, what was it? So you went to the bar to order a round. What did you choose for yourself? Do you remember? I, I probably, I, I, I can't remember. I'm really sorry. I did. It was That's probably, funny. it was probably courage because where I grew up, everything was either courage or, um, or Friary Mukes, if you remember them as well, you know, Guildford based brewery. <laughs> That, that's where I grew up around there. So it's probably a pint of courage. Nice. And lastly, Greg, what about yourself? Well, you know, so many memories there. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Scampi. Well, when I was uh, when I was a young lad, I think Scampi chips and peas was my favourite go-to meal when <laughs> uh, when I was having, you know, family, family meals in the pub, which is something we did. In, interesting, one of my favourite areas and many pub memories, the Clint Peninsula. In, uh, in Wales, we used to stay in Aberdaran and we used right. to go to various pubs around there. Um, uh, and also North Yorkshire, um, uh, lots and lots of memories of, of pubs there. But my first ever alcoholic drink, um, and I won't say how old I was in case, uh, you know, I then get investigated. <coughs> but it, it was, you'll, you'll be pleased to know, Nick, it, it was actually in Wales. It was in Cobden's Bar, in Cobden's Hotel in Capel Currig in Snowdonia. Um, and when I tell you 
that it was a, a school hill walking trip um, and we'd, we'd snuck out from the youth hostel. Um, you probably might realise that, you know, uh, it's, it, it wasn't necessarily uh, legal um, right. for me to be doing that. Um, uh, but yes, it, it, that, that it, was, it was bold. And I ridiculously, I remember, um, and we've got to remember this was the 80s, it sounds absolutely ridiculous now, but, you, but some of the fashions back then, um, there was a period where it was all sort of tweed, um, tweed things and brogue shoes and brown corduroy trousers and everything. And um, and I actually, uh, and I went one better at the time, I actually had a tweed flat cap, would you believe, um, which I had. I probably only wore it a few times um, around the age of 14, 15, because actually I took it on, I took it up some of the mountains in Snowdonia. It got soaked in the rucksack and then it shrank and I was I couldn't actually ever wear it again, thankfully. Um, so, yes, that, that was that was the time. But, uh, you know, from from then on, I actually found that the best place to go for uh, to places where perhaps they'd turn a blind eye, shall we say, was places where you would go to a traditional pub um, with a small group of friends and sit sensibly and drink a few pints of Cascale yeah, yeah, yeah. and even play dominoes. Whereas everyone else was going to these rowdy bars and, and clubs and they were getting raided all the time. And actually, you know, I, I, I loved the atmosphere of traditional proper pubs. And as long as we behaved ourselves and sat there, um, it was fine. And, you know, and I think there's, I think there are lessons there. I think there are lessons there. There are. Um, and, and, yeah, we could do a whole other podcast. I know uh, of um, youth clubs in certain countries in Europe have bars in them and they kind of, the, 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 compare, the different comparing of bars and pubs and where youth should be in, in, allowed in them. But anyway, there's that whole, there is that whole thing. Do you, sorry, I don't know if I missed it, but did you mention what, what was it you bought in Cobden's bar? Disappointing, I can't remember. It was Cascale. It was, it was, you know, I, my dad um, brought me up. My, my first ever memory of Cascale was the Milburn Arms Hotel in Rosedale Abbey on the North York Moors, which sadly has been closed again for the last few years. I really hope it will open. Lovely little um, hotel and, and inn. Um, but I remember watching with awe as pints of, and it was Theakston's Best Bitter, um, pints of Theakston's Best Bitter being poured, obviously through the um, the sparkler, you know, the traditional northern Yorkshire way of, of serving and watching, you know, like a pint of Guinness, watching the, the this this swirling white liquid that would then that would then suddenly miraculously from the bottom very slowly go from being this swirling white mass, which was fascinating to watch to this lovely golden brown colour. And I just remember thinking, wow, that looks absolutely delicious. And I wonder could it possibly be as delicious as it looks that it that it actually tastes? And unlike many things in life, which turn out to be disappointments from your kid, your childish memories, I remember when I first did become a Cascale drinker when I was older, um, I was not disappointed, and it did indeed taste just as good as it looked when it was settling in those glasses. And I uh, and I still think that drinking fabulous Cascale as I do every time I visit any of Paul's pubs, I still feel that very passionately today. That's that is so lovely, Greg. Honestly, that that's one of the major for me. One of the major pleasures of actually running a pub is serving cask ale in perfect condition, and actually that process of pulling it and seeing it filling the glass and watching the customer watching what you're doing and being fascinated by it. Do it all the time. Getting oh, the head, yeah. get, getting the head just right, you know, nice and tight and and just the right size, and putting it down. And as you're taking the money, you turn back 
and half of it's gone beautifully golden or clear and black or whatever it might be. It's just one of the, it's just such a, a wonderful thing. Oh, I'm salivating now, Paul. Like, you know, it's, it's making it worse. It's making it worse. We need the pub open. We need to stop talking about cask, uh, cask ale pouring porn. Um, we all need to leave soon. Um, it's brilliant. a privilege. It's a privilege, honestly. It is. Um, well, I mean, that brings us to an end uh, to the Pub Trotters podcast. Thank you for sharing your kind of early memories of pubs as well. It's always a really high, a real highlight, especially for myself. Um, but yeah, huge thank you, Greg and Paul, for coming on today and talking about your incredibly amazing uh, cause uh, campaign for pubs. As they have mentioned in the podcast, and it'll be on our description and things when, when it goes out and on our blog, please sign up to their campaign. Uh, to ensure there's a good deal for pubs going forward in the current crisis and pandemic, um, as well as joining them as members. It's only £25 for a whole year. It doesn't cost much and it'll help them a great deal. Bryn, thank you very much for co-hosting today. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Yes, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Good. Uh, and with that in mind, yeah, that's it. Me and Bryn are off to watch, uh, see, well, to see if Wales can not get beat by 50 points by England. <laughs> um and greg and paul again like i said it's a pleasure we'll we're gonna we're gonna have to arrange a trip to york whoever sounds right because you oh, yeah, think so. <laughs> well what, whatever we do we the, the four of us must when we can we must meet in a pub yeah. when we're able to that's well that's the thing yeah. like i said we'd welcome you on here again in a few months so you can update us on how things are going and maybe it'll be in the slip or the volunteer arms or the other one that you... The swan. <laughs> the swan, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. The easy one to remember. <laughs> oh, well. uh, brilliant. Well, that's it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Nick, for having us. It's been really yeah, great. great. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah,